The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzel is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. And we all know that it's that time of year, which means the wheat quality tour is taking place going through Kansas. And and we've had a lot of updates happening through our stations. But Mike, as you have been putting your two cents in, you're seeing stuff out your back door. What are you thinking about this wheat quality tour and how it's going to affect this market trade? I think what we're heading towards, Susan, based upon the first days, uh, first full days assessment in uh, the part of Kansas that's closest to me, uh, the eastern part of the hard red wheat belt, which it's about an hour and a half away from Atchison. I would say you get to Manhattan and uh, then you start into the hard red wheat areas proper, and that goes all the way across the country to the Colorado border. But what I would say is that we know the very poor and poor conditions in the state of Oklahoma are four times worse than they were a year ago. We know that they're about four times worse than in the state of Kansas than they were a year ago. And we know that they were almost six times worse, five times to six times worse in the state of Kansas. And so with the crop about two weeks behind and heading, does this crop tour help define better what those unbelievably poor conditions mean in reference to last year. So what I'm looking at, simply put, is last year's crop tour number for Kansas as a state was 44.9 bushels. In Oklahoma, it was 33.7. If I extrapolated the very poor poor conditions and tried to push in some improvement because we're two weeks behind in a large swath of these two states, I would put Kansas yield at 35 bushels and Oklahoma yield at 29 bushels. If I get those kind of numbers, Susan, I think then you could have the wheat continue to play a supportive role and a leadership role to the upside in the corn market, even as we're planting. And I think this is a big distinction. I've seen a lot of colleagues and, and other analysts say, what a strange market. We're rallying in this market as we plant and the corn. This is really wild. Haven't seen this. Well, that's because we haven't seen the wheat market go up while the corn has been planting in the month of May. What we've seen the last essentially four years has been a big drop in wheat, and that's put extra pressure to the downside on the corn. This is one of those years, kind of like 2007, 2008 time period, that we actually have an issue with the wheat that is problematic, and we don't know how big of a problem it is, but it could extend the rally in the corn even as we wrap up the corn planting. So. This is an ideal time period to hedge corn, in my opinion, as the wheat leads us higher. You know, and there's been so much talk over even the last six months. There's a there's a glut of wheat on the market. And now you're reading that, boy, we got some concerns out there. When you look at the Black Sea region, you look at the U.S., that there might not be the wheat that they thought was out there. Yeah, you're talking about a situation that has already been traded for almost four years, that's already in the market, it's already in the USDA supply demand balance sheets. And I want to be careful here because if wheat's my leader and I've got a brand new high in the U.S. dollar index for the, and we're back up on the year now for 2018 calendar year, we've got U.S. wheat at the golf for soft red, which is our benchmark when it comes to the wheat price. Uh, in the cash market and the global market. Soft red benchmark U.S. golf price is $229 a ton, 
after today's rally. This compares to Black Sea Ukrainian wheat of $212 a ton. This rally in the market of 50 plus cents, this strength in the dollar has started to increase our premium and offset some of the weather problems. We are, in other words, demand rationing uh, in quite a ways. But your point is well taken. We've traded a lot of big supplies for a long time, and we've had a lot of shorts in the market for a long time, and we're seeing those shorts now finally come out. I think this is a, a very key element that maybe within 30, 45 days, we will have run the course and run the gamut, depending on what USDA gives us on their May crop report. Uh, and that's something else to look forward to, is that the USDA is looking at splitting out China's supply demand for wheat from the rest of the world so that we can see exactly how much tradable wheat, how much true excess supplies are out there, as opposed to Chinese stocks that look like a surplus, but they're not going to leave their borders. So we're in a very key time period, if you ask me, from a standpoint of the wheat leading the market up and dragging and pulling the corn up as well. And uh, it's one of those opportunities, I think, that may not be around, uh, say, 60 or 90 days from now. You know, producers survived the winds of the last couple of days. Now they're banking on getting some sort of uh, moisture. With the seed in the ground, many guys really working hard to get planting underway. You guys watching this weather of this week and how it's moving through? Yes, we are. I think this is going to be the key week because not only could it still keep us behind the pace of last year and keep us slightly behind the pace of the five-year average, which would keep the corn market very keyed in on a lower national yield than what we've dealt with the last three years, but it would also keep pressuring, I think, the soybeans and the spread between the corn and the soybeans would continue to be very active like it is right now on the ideas that more soybeans are going to come from the spring wheat country, from the cotton country, from possibly the hard red wheat country if rains come through this week, and, and also maybe from the, some parts of the corn country. So this week is an extremely important week to keep the bull fed. I think one of my, the, the primary weather forecasting people that I work with, I've been on the phone and emailing them back and forth pretty much the last two days straight, several times a day, asking them about do we have the spring pattern now set? Is the jet stream done moving? In other words, does this wetter bias that the European model and the GFS model are starting to promote 10, 14, 16 days out as we get deeper into the month of May, does this wetter bias for the Corn Belt actually stay on top of us so that maybe it does create you know a slower planting pace, but it also alleviates and, and takes a lot of potential new longs out of the market by taking away the drought scare. And I think this is the fine point that we're going to have to toggle between. And, and I think about, stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Mike Zuzalo joins us, Global Commodity Analytics. And, and Mike, let's look at the soybeans a little bit more. They've had some market influences. They are the first ones out of the gate when it came to this year's planting season, but starting to slow down with corn taking over. Yeah, and you know, the soybeans have a different look to them than they normally do, much because of the soy meal, number one, and the tightness of the supplies in Argentina, Susan, but also, and I think this is going to become an increasingly important feature, also because of the trade issues that we're contending with, both in terms of NAFTA and in terms of what's going on in China. And I think this is where the soybeans 
and the fat cattle and the hogs have some similarities to them. We noticed this week, for the most part, that the meal trade, like it has been the last month or so, has been the real leader to the upside. Beans kind of come along, not kicking and screaming, but not having that excitement that you're used to in terms of a bean rally. And so I think this is where the trade comes into play. This is where the stronger dollar comes into play. Just this afternoon, uh, our trade representative, Lighthouser, just decided uh, to do an interview, and he said specifically to CNBC that NAFTA is essentially on thin ice if we don't reach a deal in the next two weeks. I personally believe that to be the case. I personally think it's the same way with China and uh, our uh, Commerce Secretary going over there right now and talking to the Chinese trade officials this week. And I think it's that way when it comes to what's happening in the overall market. And that dollar is picking up on this. And so this is probably the big key uh, going into the post-planting time period. If we don't have the weather market to keep us supported, the supply side to keep us supported, the demand side starting to waver. And I think producers need to be understanding that. And then hopefully we'll want to talk to somebody you know, like you and I and, and keep on top of that because I think it could be quite an important feature to this market uh, after we get to the June-July time period. Well, you talk about all the, the, the influences that we're seeing. I mean, the cattle market as well has had some struggles. Uh, what side, outside market influences, both from a grain and global perspective, are you seeing on them? Well, the biggest thing we're seeing, other than the um, you know increasingly uncompetitive nature of our wheat market to the bigger competitors that we have, and that tends to have to keep the supply side going down, where the supply and the weather are working together to, to push the supplies lower than the demand because as we rally sharply, we obviously are going to ration some demand. We don't know that quite yet. But I think the biggest thing also then goes back into the higher interest rates, the stronger dollar, and the threat of a weakening equities markets. And what that designates, I think oftentimes historically, Susan, is a return to a recessionary pressure. Just this week we saw the, the EIA, the administration, the U.S. Energy Administration uh, in Washington, D.C., and some key private analysts come out with their average summer gasoline price. They're looking at $2.81 a gallon this summer. That's up from $2.39 a year ago. This is going to be the highest price in four years if it's realized. And so here again, you've got some ethanol demand rationing that will probably take place as a result of almost a 40-cent increase in gasoline prices if that's realized. So these things in nowadays markets, and you know, it's not like the markets of 20, 25 years ago, all these things work together and kind of revolve and, and have an orbit around each other. The equities, the dollar, the interest rates, these things can and do work against us if they get to certain price levels and, and work together higher and force equities lower. And then the commodities see the potential for lost demand, and then all of a sudden you see the investment demand go away. I think this is something we really have to keep an eye on. Well, you know, Mike, there's some nervousness as well. I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter today um, in regards to the EPA administrator and what's going to happen not only with him, with his job, and with what's been going on with the RFS and the RINs. That takes its toll on the way we see the grain markets and the cattle markets at that. Exactly. It may not be in the crosshairs of the market right now because we have a wheat quality tour. We have momentum on our side, a positive momentum in the price charts and the meal and the wheat especially. 
but it is something to look forward to because we have seen this very big disparity between the cash markets and the futures markets. We're still living it in the cattle market right now. We've, we're back to over $225 uh, in choice beef, uh, box beef prices right now. We're hitting levels not seen since June of last year in box beef prices, but now with June fat cattle, lead month futures, and it's back down to $104, $105, $100, you're looking at a situation where we're at a multi-month low in lead month fat cattle that something's going to have to give. And I think this is what the investors and the computerized algorithmic trading funds help uh, kind of create these kind of extremes and these these disparities. We've seen it before in the grains. I'm trying to prepare people for, uh, and producers especially, for the idea that this could come back around if there's no weather market to trade off of. Why is the market going down? Well, it could be some of these things we're talking about right now. You have got a great website. It's all been revamped. Lots of uh, blogs and discussions going on. What's the best way for producers to find out about your website and get in contact with you, Mike? I appreciate you bringing that up because it's globalanalytics.biz. I just put a video up that I found in Argentina of the big uh, crash of the big cargo ship in, in Argentina's port. Analytics for a trial if you have problems. Uh, finding the website, call me 866-471-2588. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.